Amen. Fruition. Y'all pumped? Um, good morning. Uh, for those I've not met, my name is Patrick Eads. I'm one of the elders here in the church, and also I serve as the executive director of Skylark. So I want to give another thanks for you all attending the Walk for Life. Um, uh, we aren't done figuring out what we raised yesterday, but I know that we're at least the third best walk ever um, without finishing and know that this church is probably going to end up being the one that raised the most funds of the entire area. So thank you. You guys are phenomenal, and I'm grateful for that support. And I have the pleasure of getting to participate in this fruition series, and we've had a lot of fun. Um, we're trying to learn, we're trying to get the ability to produce fruits in our lives, right? And um, Pastor Mark had some fun up here with some apples um, first week, talking about love, smacking on apples up here. And then um, we had some fruit snacks with joy um, second week. We had some plums, some peace plums on the third week. Last week we celebrated communion, so we had the fruit of the vine. And I'm, I just stuck with the fruit of the vine in a little bit different way um, this week. Um, we had a lot of dry humor uh, going on the last few weeks. Um, and so I've stuck with some dried fruit this week. Um, so I thought we'd just dry it out a little bit more. And I want to kind of raisin the bar a little bit. So um, we're going to give you kindness through raisins. We're going to give you some raisins today. Now, I know that raisins are kind of like livers and onions, okay? When you say raisins, you got kind of the same feeling as liver and onions. I'm, I'm, I love liver and onions, man. I was, I was raised on my mama must have known how to cook it well because I love it. I can eat liver and onions all day long. Yeah, but I mentioned liver and onions to some of my friends, like our pastor over here who's looking like he's about to regurgitate over here, just mentioning the word liver and onions. Um, it's kind of the same thing with raisins, right? So I, I, have, I have softened the deal a little bit with raisins. These are not just raisins. These are chocolate yogurt-flavored raisins, covered raisins. Yeah, that's right. So, so on your way out, grab as many chocolate-covered raisins on your way out, and we'll be raising the roof in here, right? And there'll be lots of raisins for you to do that. Okay. So we've been, we've been looking at Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 16, and this will preach. I want to just, man, can we just give uh, honor to the Lord for our praise and worship team this morning and just how they <laughs> led us to the Lord. I, I just love our team. You guys did a phenomenal job. I'm just so jealous I don't play any of these instruments, but I can at least participate in the worship and just did a phenomenal job. Thanks, team. Um, so getting right into this passage, which will preach. So I say... Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. I mean, if we just stop there, if we just let the Holy Spirit guide our lives, this is good stuff. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And so there's this tension with all of us. Even after we've committed our life to Christ, there's this tension of um, the Holy Spirit guiding us versus this craving of the sinful nature that we, that we still get to deal with until we enter in the gates of heaven, Right? And then the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. This is verse 17. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces, this tension, are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. And when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are, are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. We don't want to admit that we deal with this stuff, but we, we do. Um, uh, I, I, uh, where was I? Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, 
quarreling. Can we at least admit to that one, quarreling? You know, I mean, let, let's be honest. Jealousy, can we, you know, can we still, I mean, can we admit that we, that we have this tension, you know, jealousy? Where was that? Outburst of anger. So we can't really admit that we're in a church, but can we admit it, please? Um, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. So just in case your, your favorite pet sin wasn't listed, Paul ended it with, well, any other sins like these, right? Um, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are some heavy words, y'all. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And we've been looking at these, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So I get to roll right in here and talk about kindness. And I, I was just kind of doing a little cultural view of popular cultural view of what, what kindness, you know, what kind of momentum, momentum kindness brings to us. And, you know, you've probably heard of random acts of kindness, right? Random acts of kindness. That's a pretty cult, popular cultural thing. And I just did some, some Googling on random acts of kindness. The, the, the definition, random act of kindness is a non-premeditated, inconsistent action designed to offer kindness towards the outside world. And then what I found was all these lists of random acts of kindness. Like, I, for example, I found this one, the, 10, the top 10 random acts of kindness. But, but I'm going to read them. But, but when you think about it, when you think about what is the top 10 random acts of kindness, does that make them random anymore? And are they still, are they still, haven't you kind of premeditated if you've got this list of your top 10 that you're following, it doesn't make it unpremeditated, it kind of makes it premeditated, not so random acts of kindness, right? That's what I was kind of, I'm like, okay, this is a little confusing, but here, here's, here's 10, uh, send someone a gift, uh, pay for a stranger's coffee. That could be bigger than the gift. Uh, bake, uh, bake cookies for the elderly. Donate blankets to an animal shelter. Write letters to those serving in our military. Here's a good one. Shovel a neighbor's driveway when it snows. I do that one all the time. <laughs> Pay a stranger's library fees. I just want to know. Who has some overdue library fees today? Okay, okay, all right, all right, all right. I was just thinking, can I pay your library fees? I mean, I don't know how much they are. I just, can I, I was just like, okay, we got some library. And then give out drinks on a hot day. We've probably done that in Southeast Georgia. Then like I said, there was, there's a list of 20, 30, 75, 99, 101 samples of random acts of kindness. I just don't think they're random anymore when you start listing them, Right. And then, um, then I saw this T-shirt. Kindness is free, so sprinkle that stuff everywhere. And then there's this popular cultural message: we need to respond, respond in kind. And that usually is not usually kindness when you think about responding in kind, right? Somebody's mean to you. Well, I'll be mean to you. And if you think about it, well, we we kind of live in a in a mean world. And if we're really honest, the church has been mean to people. If we're really honest. Have you noticed we live in a mean world? 
Have you noticed that sometimes we're mean in church? Thanks for the few yeses there. Yeah, Paul acknowledges this in Ephesians. He says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Sounds like a mean world. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of his good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So, yeah, we got a mean world out there. But the great news is, in this mean world, there is still hope. Um, In this mean world, there is a very high calling to God's people to be holy agents of kindness. But we're not supposed to be secret agents. We're supposed to be his holy agents of kindness. In Colossians 1, it affirms this. For he has rescued us for the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. In John 13, 35, it says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So they're supposed to notice the kindness in us and it's supposed to mean something to those around us. In Galatians 5, 13 and 14, it says, for for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Secret agents of his kindness. For the whole law can be summed up in one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And I love this in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. As a servant of the Lord, so I'm trusting if you're a Jesus follower, you want to be his servant. And as a servant of the Lord, we must not quarrel. Remember, we, remember quarrelsome is not spirit-led. But must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. I mean, did he have to put the difficult people in there? Could he just have been patient and not added the difficult people? Listen, 25. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Y'all, the, the church has not been doing a real good job with this. We're not real gentle with the people we oppose. It's almost like we treat people we oppose like you treat someone when you call them at customer service. Because you feel like you can get away with it. Customer service. You could tell them how you really feel because it's customer service. Right? Maybe, maybe y'all are too holy for this one. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm, Jesus is continuing to work in my heart in that area. You know, you're calling customer service, you should be kind to customer service, even if they're difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God, look, look what will happen if we, if we start doing this. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. 
for they've been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. See, lost people do what lost people do. And this word kindness that Paul was talking about, it's uh, the Greek word, um, kres, I, can't, I can't roll my R. So it, it, imagine an R in there, kare, roll an R in there, krestatis. It means moral goodness, integrity. And the integrity is in character and the way you act and also in your demeanor, kind of the way you present yourself. Um, it, it also means, and maybe y'all have heard this word before. I, I, this is a, a first one for me. Benignity, which is kind of like benign with entity, itty on the end of it. Benignity. That's how I first pronounced it before I actually looked it up. Benignity. Beginity. And so you're wondering, like me, what is I can't say it. Benignity. What does it really mean? Well, it means kindness or tolerance towards other people. Pastor Mark Anthony mentioned uh, Tim Keller's definition. He's he's got some great resources on this. I I brought his his definition in here. uh, The definition of 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 of, um, kindness is practical kindness with vulnerability. Practical kindness with vulnerability out of a deep inner security. I mean, that sounds like stuff only the Holy Spirit can do in you, you know? Um, it's, it's only out of the work of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it ain't natural for us to be kind. We already saw that in, in, when we read in, in, in Galatians chapter 5, that it's natural for us to walk in our sinful nature. Um, in, a, in a book called Showing a Spirit by Don Carson, he, he put it this way. He put, Christian kindness is no common courtesy or virtue in a vacuum, but a surprising response to mistreatment and hurt. One more time. Christian kindness is no common courtesy or virtue in a vacuum, but a surprising response to mistreatment and hurt. He goes on to say, it's not a random, it's, it's not random or free. So the t-shirt really didn't, it's not random or free. But a costly, counterintuitive response to meanness, to outrage, rather than responding in kind. In other words, if we're all honest, our nature is to respond in kind, to give mean for mean, to give hurt for hurt, if we're all honest. We do it with those we love. We do it with those we hate. We do it, I mean, that's the honest, easy way to do it. I didn't, we have four children. I didn't have to train my children to be mean. I didn't. It comes natural. So this is the challenge. And then he goes on to say, he he remarks, Don Carson remarks to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4. He says, love is kind. Not merely patient or long-suffering in the face of injury, but quick, (laughs) I love this wording, quick to pay back with kindness. You think of payback, you think, right? Quick to pay back with kindness what is received and hurt. One of the ways to see that Christian kindness is not random is to observe the type of company that, that, that kindness keeps. And so I want to look at some passages where what kindness is kind of lumped in with several words throughout scripture and 
see his high calling for us. If you've committed your life to Christ, now if you're here, not, you're not a believer, if you've never put your trust in Christ as a believer, these requirements are not there for you to grow and walk in the spirit. But if you are here and you call yourself a Christian, then we, we should be trying to, to walk in this, in, in this high calling of God's people to be holy agents of kindness. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 6, it says, we, we prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. That's, that's, where, that's where we show the metal of Jesus doing the work in us. We prove ourselves by this stuff coming out of us, by us, by us um, paying back in this way rather than the way that comes natural. And in Romans chapter two, verse four, it says this, don't, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Second Timothy, I already read it, but I want to just one more time. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, it says, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. There's no exception there, y'all. It's kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, it says, get rid of all, get rid of it. Get rid of it. And then where you want to show the metal of your being a believer, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And then Colossians 3.12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, I mean, you've been chosen, and he's saying since you are, you must clothe yourself, put on the clothes of, show your kindness, put on the clothes of, and I've just lost my place. Clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are the signs of a believer. These are the signs of a Christ follower. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 more, verses 13 through 4 through 5, love is patient and love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or, or, or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. As you look at these passages and what the Apostle Paul and what the Word of God is kind of expecting us to live out, it's a tall order. And it should demonstrate for us our, our desperate need for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, work in me, do a work in me so I can be the man or be the woman of God that you want me to be. And that's the beauty of this. The beauty of, of this should be, if, if you're, as I'm reading these passages, if you're saying, well, check, I've not been that this week, or check, I've not been there this week, or check, I've not quite had that out of order. This is, this is what this is intended to be, is to be a, an inspiration that, yeah, you, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the work of the Holy Spirit in you more than you've ever needed the work of the Holy Spirit in me, in, in you, and, and I need the same thing in me. In other words, I know that I've not lived this out well, I want to. You know who needs a lot of kindness? 
Lost people need a lot of kindness. Um, in our small group, I've got a little small group. Let me think if I can remember the name. Desserts, Devos, and Dives. And we, we've been looking at, that this past couple of weeks, we're looking at sharing the gospel and what does that mean and how does that impact our lives. And they reminded us of these five things about lost people, our little our lesson that we did. And so the guys in the small group, forgive me, I'm just gonna repeat these. We, we need it, repeat it anyway. There's, here's five things about lost people that we need to understand. First of all, they're dead. They're dead. Ephesians 2, 1 through 2 says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of, in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So the lost are dead. So, so they act like they are dead. That's what lost people do. They're also blind. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, is blind in the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't, they don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So they're not only dead, but they're blind. They're also spiritually foolish, not able to discern, discern the truth. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, but the people who aren't spiritual, spiritual can't receive the truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. So they're spiritually foolish and not able to discern the truth. Lost people act like lost people. This is what they do. And then they're lost without a shepherd. In Mark chapter 6, verse 34, it says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching um, them many things. So they're lost without a shepherd. And then finally, they're deceived and serving the world. Um, in Titus chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to the many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. If, if you're currently a Christ follower, this is how you once were before someone shared the gospel with you. And if you're a Christ follower, seeing our friends and relatives in that way should move us to have compassion and act in the fruit of kindness, not wanting them to stay in this condition. See, it's kindness, the kindness of God, the kindness of God brings new life to the dead. It's the kindness of God that opens the eyes of the blind it's the kindness of God reveals the spirit of the everlasting God to spiritual fools. It's the kindness of God who opens the heart of lost sheep to the shepherd. We, you and me, if you've put your trust in Christ, we are, we are as Holy Spirit agents of kindness to open the eyes of the spiritually blind. It's kind, his kindness does that. And when we're out in public and when wherever you are, wherever it may be, it should be his kindness that comes out of us. Not random. Blood-bought kindness that transformed our lives so that we can share kindness even when someone tries to hurt us. I mean, what about that? 
somebody trying to hurt you, someone trying to shame you, someone trying to make you feel bad, and you respond in kindness. And the lost people are not the only people that need us to be his Holy Spirit agents of kindness. The the church. The church needs you and me to respond in the fullness of his kindness. The church needs us operating in his kindness to the fullness of its glory. Because it's kindness that's going to melt the heart of an unforgiving spirit. It's kindness that's going to transform someone's unkind behavior in the church. It's kindness that's going to transform someone's unkind actions or hard heart. It's Christ's kindness being poured out through us. So that we can become the kind of people that we want others to be. We want everybody to be kind to us. Don't y'all? In, Christ, in, in, in Christ's kindness, we have compassion for people around us. In Christ's kindness, we exercise patience towards other, others, even the difficult ones. And we show kindness to them. The Lord is calling us to be Holy Spirit agents of kindness. Our our calling card should be his kindness. In Ephesians chapter 2, I love this passage of scripture. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, it says, So God can point to us in all future ages as examples. So listen to this. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who united who who are united with Christ Jesus in other words because of his great kindness that showed itself to us we should exude we should we should blow out the world with that same kindness that we've experienced through him what the apostle paul is saying here in verse 8 god saved you by his grace when you believe, and you can't take credit for this. It's, it's a gift from God. And salvation is not a reward, as Pastor Mark mentioned when we had the wonderful um, baptism, Clint. Um, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Y- y'all, you're God's masterpiece. Let's show it. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Now, I'm just going to be very honest. There's a little little tension when it comes to kindness. Um, um, Because when you think, for example, about Jesus and you look at John 2, 14 through 16, you, you, you might wonder, was kindness what motivated Jesus and I think it was, but, but, but if you look at it, you might think it's not kindness. In, in the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle and sheep and doves for sacrifice. 
He also saw dealers at tables exchanging for money. And Jesus made a whip. from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out all the sheep and cattle and he scattered the money changers' coins over the floor and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. That was an act of kindness. Apostle Paul, just a few verses before what we've read in, in Matthew or in Galatians chapter 5. You might not think this was kindness coming out of him, but I, I think it's kindness. In Galatians 5, it says, I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge the person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if you still pre- are preaching that you must be circumcised in some way, I, 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 why I'm still being, and, and so I do, so I'm still being persecuted. If If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Jesus, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. That doesn't sound like kindness. But I think it came out of a heart of kindness. So I remember when we were raising our kids, you know, we expected them to obey right away, all the way, and with a happy spirit. And sometimes it may not sound like kindness. But I remember this one specific illustration. I can't remember who the missionary was, but a missionary taught his kids the same thing, to obey right away, all the way, and with a happy spirit. And his, his um, child was walking, and all of a sudden he said to his child in a very loud voice, kind of an angry voice, Stop! Stand still! Which doesn't sound like kindness, does it? But it was the kindest thing that that father could do for his child. Because if he had not stopped, in other words, if he had not taught his child, in other words, sometimes I'm going to say things that may sound a little bit rough, but I want you to obey. I want you to obey. And that child stopped, stood still, and avoided being bitten by a poisonous snake. That if, if... in kindness, his father had not taught him to obey right away, all the way, and with happy spirit. And the son hadn't been taught that way. He'd say, what, what, daddy, what are you talking about? What, what, what are you talking about? And he probably would have been bitten by a snake. In other words, there's this tension that sometimes we feel like because in ki- kindness can't be direct. I think kindness can be direct. I think there's times when the kindest thing you could do is tell someone the truth in love. I think kindness confronts wrong behaviors. I think kindness confronts wrong thoughts. I think kindness confronts wrong choices. Because it's out of love and care and patience for that person that you want to see them thrive in their life and it would be unkind for you to allow someone to continue in those wrong behaviors, wrong thoughts and wrong choices. But that can't be done outside of a relationship. And this is where some of the things that the church has done, we make these bold statements about people we don't know without having a relationship with them. That's not kind. 
Does that make sense? Kind of the difference. And this is the tension. I'm just trying to deal with the tension because with kindness, there could be some tension. People think that kindness means you're kind of a milk toast, mealy, kind of you can't, you know, you're not, not going to deal in truth and you're not going to deal with the real life of people. And I think it's just the opposite. I think kindness deals with the real issues. Does that make sense? It, it's kind for my wife to address me when I'm acting incorrectly. It's kind for her. I don't always respond like I should to those kind behaviors. It's kindness that drives my wife to bear with me in patience when I need some correction of wrong thoughts or wrong behaviors. Does that make sense? So my heart's desire is that we walk out a kinder church today. And I'm hoping that this, these passages of scripture inspire you in that. And I'd like to pray for you. So would you mind standing up and we can pray, pray together? And I'm gonna do something kind of backwards because I believe that the Holy Spirit may be working on some hearts and you may need some healings from some places where we as a church have not been kind to you. And, and I want to provide opportunities for our prayer warriors to pray for you um, because the church has hurt people out of a lack of kindness. And so the Holy Spirit may be working in your heart and you've got some things. And I know that, and, and Henry, you, 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 know, you brought some things up that I think the Holy Spirit was kind of preparing people for this moment to be prayed for. You know, you need to pray, pray for. Or you may also know that maybe you've not been, been kind and it's time for you to be kind. You need to walk by the Holy Spirit. Or maybe, maybe you've never put your trust in Christ for salvation and so all this is kind of foreign to you and you want to start walking in faith with Christ. And this opportunity at the altar will be an opportunity for you to put your trust in Christ and pray with someone. You don't have to do that, but we'd love for that to happen. So I'm gonna do this a bit backwards. I'm gonna go ahead and, if you, you know, you've got something cooking at home and you got to get out of here, I'm going to go ahead and do the high priestly blessing like we normally do. And, but then what I want to do is this. I want to, after that high priestly blessing, I want to pray, I want to give an opportunity for people who want to receive prayer for them to come forward. And I want to, I, I want to be available for prayer and, and our normal everyday pastors. And I think, Henry, obviously you need to be up here and praying because I think there's probably some specific things that people need some prayer about. And um, I just think it's an opportunity. So, so I'm going to do it a bit backwards. I'm going to go ahead and the high priestly blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you in Jesus' name. So I've asked his blessing upon you. And what I want to do is I want to invite you. It's going to take a little boldness. But if, you, if the Holy Spirit's been stirring your heart and you need prayer, I want to, I'm going to ask the prayer people to come up. And you need prayer concerning this area. I want to ask the prayer people to come up. And I'm calling people, if you want to receive prayer in this area, to come forward. So let me pray over this issue and then give the opportunity for you to receive prayer if you would like to receive prayer. And I'm going to go down here and pray for you as well while Sam and this wonderful worship team leads us in um, some worship. So, Father, I thank you uh, for your word. Um, your word brings forth uh, fruit out of it. Your word speaks to our hearts, and I know that you've already begun to speak in hearts. We've witnessed that with what you, the, the word you put on Brother Henry's heart to share with us. And I believe there's some folks in this church that have been hurt by the church, maybe even been hurt by our church, and we haven't been kind. And we, we thought we were doing it right, but we've probably, we, we did it wrong. And, or, or we did it partly right, and it was, it just, whatever it was, there's some hurts 
There's some areas that need to be dealt with. There's some folks that need some prayer. And Lord, I just ask you to move on their hearts that they would just take that bold step to receive prayer. There's um, also maybe some folks here that have never put their trust fully in you as, as Lord and Savior. I ask, Lord, that you would give them the ability today to say, Lord, I surrender my life to you and we can have an opportunity to pray for them this, this morning. And I pray for all of us, Lord, that we would be able to fulfill what Paul is communicating here, that we would li- live in the fruit of the Spirit and that we would be kindness agents, that we would, would be kind to each other, that we would be kind to those outside this church, and Lord, as a result, that we would see what the word of God has said, that we would, we would see the, the fruit of people coming to Christ, of lives being restored, of lives being changed, of healings happening. Lord, that your kindness would evoke a, a change in this church and, and a change outside of this church. And I thank you for that. I give you praise for that in Christ's name. So if that's you, you need prayer. If you wouldn't mind, come on f- f- ahead and we're going to be hanging out for prayer and we're going to be worshiping. You've been, you've been given the high priestly blessing, so if you need to be dismissed, you need to be dismissed, but we'll, we'll, we'll be here to pray, okay?